This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Monday, March 28th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. We've got a big new auto plant in the works, while another one is irritating its neighbors, and Canada plans to go all electric. Also, a sales consultant speaks up against dealer markups a little later in the show. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. EV startup VinFast plans to build an assembly plant and battery manufacturing facility in North Carolina. The Vietnamese automaker says construction of the factory will start later this year once a permit is granted. VinFast plans an initial investment of $2 billion. The company aims to start vehicle output in July 2024 with annual capacity of 150,000 vehicles. VinFast opened its U.S. headquarters in Los Angeles last year. The automaker aims to move rapidly into the North American market with the VF8 and VF9 crossovers. A new auto plant is typically welcome news in a community because it brings jobs and adds to the tax base, but sometimes there are negatives that go with it. For example, Michigan environmental regulators have tagged Stellantis with another odor violation at its Detroit assembly complex. It's the latest in a growing list of air quality violations for the automaker, which said it is addressing the concerns with, quote, urgency. Specifically, officials cited Stellantis for objectionable paint or solvent odors. Across the river in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has laid out the country's emissions reduction plan, Officials say the government will enact a sales mandate to ensure at least 20% of new light-duty vehicle sales will be zero-emission vehicles by 2026. That target moves to 60% by 2030 and 100% by 2035. The government will also expand its EV rebate program by nearly $1.4 billion. In other news, UAW President Ray Curry says the union's membership fell roughly 6% last year. The number will be outlined in the UAW's annual financial report that will be made public this week. It compares membership as of December 2021 to the same month a year earlier. However, Curry said the drop was caused by the timing of the report since payroll and dues processing was delayed by end-of-year downtime or temporary layoffs because of the semiconductor shortage. Curry telling the Automotive Press Association on Tuesday that the union is, quote, on solid footing. And finally, Porsche has been eyeing the fourth quarter of this year for a possible initial public offering, but that timing could be pushed back. The automaker's finance chief saying Tuesday that the war in Ukraine could have potential implications on the listing. The company says all sides of the deal are working hard to get the IPO done this year. A formal decision on whether to push forward with the listing has not been made. And that's the news you need to know. The inventory shortage is giving dealers an upper hand over shoppers, but not taking advantage of the situation could pay big dividends down the road. We'll get into it after this. 
As online experiences have continued to evolve, it's clear dealers need an approach that will keep them in the business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big picture holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Buy low, sell high. That's how you make a profit. But when it comes to customers in your local market, selling as high as possible could really backfire. That's the advice from Jose Morales, a trainer with Applied Concepts. The company has partnerships with more than 3,000 dealerships across the country and has conducted more than 2 million training and coaching sessions. Morales tells his clients to consider bypassing markups above the manufacturer's suggested retail price and think of it as a marketing investment to cultivate loyalty and a lifetime of service business. I reached him in Orlando, Florida, where he is based. Jose Morales, welcome to Daily Drive. Jamie, thank you for having us today. So this inventory shortage you know, has been with us since late last spring, about 10 months now, and it's really profoundly changed the balance of power in retail negotiations. Manufacturer incentives are way down. Consumers have been eager to spend. Maybe that's softening a little. But in January, Edmonds said that 82% of car buyers in the U.S. paid more than the MSRP. What do you make of a number like that? You know, first and foremost, Jamie, that it's, it's incredible to think that in our industry, 82% of consumers paid above MSRP when consumers have been wired that, you know what, you go and you try and get your best deal, right? And you never pay over MSRP. Right. No, MSRP, <laughs> is, a bad, MSRP is a bad deal, right? Right. And, and so you have 82%. I mean, I, I know you've been in the game a long time. When you think about that, that is an astonishing number to think about our industry paid above MSRP. But it really speaks to the current market and the climate that, we, that we're in because, you know, as we all know, inventory is a real thing. Shortage is a real thing. You know, SAR is showing that in kind of what's being annualized for 2022. But the reality of it is, while that creates a lot of positive things in a sense of, hey, we're making money on these cars, as a dealer, you kind of got to be thoughtful, like, what are you reaping? You know, what are you sowing and what are you going to reap out of it? Because there's a long-term aspect we have to look at um, that we have to be thoughtful of. Are we making the best and most prudent decisions when we think about the business from a long-term perspective, not just this month or even just this year. Hmm. So what, what, I mean, if I, what do you say to a dealer? <laughs> it's like, look, in normal times, I'm lucky to make $500 on a sale. If I can right. make 5,000 or 10,000 at once, 
isn't that a lifetime's worth of new vehicle profits from that customer? And why not take it now? You know, that's actually really a, a, good, a good perspective to think about it is like, hey, you know, I'm making 10x, let's say, right? And, and the fact that for 500 bucks to 5,000, but what we're taking out of that mix is not the, the lifetime value of that customer's sense of service, right? And parts. So let's say we get that first deal and they're with us for the first couple of years. We know that customers come with warranty work. We know that they're going to service it throughout warranty often at a higher rate. But as they taper off off warranty and the, t- the vehicle becomes a little bit older, we tend to lose those, those dollars, right? So you have to be really thoughtful as a dealer of thinking two, three years down the road because, yeah, you got that $5,000. But when it comes to that customer trying to get out of the car, let's say, in two or three years, because we know leasing's down, right? People are not leasing as high a rate as they were before. They are buying cars, but they're also taking longer-term loans. So that customer is going to really possibly more than likely be, Jamie, in a negative equity position that maybe they can't get out of in two, three years, right? So you're going to have a hard time capturing that customer back in the, the, the second or third time. But also you have to think about in two, three years, if they felt like they got a really bad deal, right, because of their financial position, they're not, they're not always going to be, they're going to share that, if you will, right? <laughs> so you have to think from a marketing perspective, am I making sure I have a sponsor in that customer or am I creating someone as a detractor? Because nothing spreads like bad word of mouth. 100%. And, and quite frankly, the opposite too. You, when you look at it, if you give them a great, great deal or you give them a fair deal, let's say, right? Where the right. customer feels like, hey, you know what? You took care of me. You sold me a car, let's say MSRP. I got a good value in my trade-in. They're going to tell other people. And quite frankly, our men and women on the sales floor should be soliciting that because it creates a good opportunity. Because if you think about it, I'll, I'll kind of put a flip on it. When you charge MSRP versus, let's say, 5000 over MSRP or whatever it may be, Right. Giving up that money is almost like marking dollars spent. What do I mean by that? When you think about that is if you give that customer a fair deal, that customer is going to be a sponsor. And it is going to be something where we can talk to that customer and say, hey, you know what, Mr. Customer, as you know, we gave you a fair deal. We sold you the card MSRP. You got a great value in your trade-in. We talk about referrals in our, in our business, right? What better way to ask for referrals or to create a sponsor than to, than to give them a fair deal where that customer is now also going to say, hey, you know what? I went to Jamie Ford and they took great care of me. So you got if you're looking for an F-150, you got to go talk to my guy there. That is like the best marketing you could ever have. And it's a sure bet that they're going to say positive things to you. Are there other opportunities for revenue and profits without adding on, uh, adding a markup above, above the sticker? I think, you know, one of the things that we create, right? So, so you think about it in two ways. Let's, let's play, play an aspect of it where you look at the back end and you sell a service contract, right? So if you sell a service contract, not only are you getting a profit off that service contract, and I'm talking like, say, a maintenance contract, for example, right? right? But when you get that maintenance contract, they're going to come back and you're going to capture that customer to come back to service and for maintenance. And not only are you going to capture that, those dollars coming in in the warranty work, but you're going to have give the service department an opportunity for upsells, right? So to me... It's kind of a trade-off. So if I'm going to look at it, if I put a customer in a situation where we're charging them MSRP, and let's say it's a scenario where the loan to value is thrown off a little bit, right? Because we're, we're, we're so high over MSRP, would I rather take that $2,000, let's call it, or whatever the, the maintenance contract would be, do I want to put that in a, just straight above MSRP? Or do I say, you know what, why don't we try and push our maintenance contracts more? Because guess what? 
Not only am I going to get that profit on an initial deal, but I'm going to capture that customer in the, in the back end in service because they're going to bring in for maintenance, they're going to bring in for warranty. And when you think about the long term, to me, that makes more sense because I'm capturing a customer for a longer term. And guess what? In two, three years, when they're coming back in the service drive and they want to look at a different vehicle, they see a shiny new Ford sitting in the, in the, in the showroom. I have an opportunity to capture that customer for another deal. Let me test you with one other scenario, especially with a lot of the EVs that are coming out. There's a lot of, um, you know, experimentation with the model and the pricing. And one example, the Hyundai Ionic 5, it looks like, you know, the invoice and the MSRP are the same. And Hyundai at the same time has been uh, strongly urging dealers to stay at MSRP and not, not add a markup. My understanding is they can earn a payment from the automaker for handling the sale, meeting certain conditions and all that. But do you believe, is that a healthy way to do business? Maybe a little less independently, more collaboratively? Uh, does that make for a more loyal customer and a better business or, or is it giving up too much? You know, it, it brings up an interesting point because, you know, the way I would look at it is, is I would look at it this way is this really ties into the behaviors we've had for during this market, right? These market conditions, because as a dealer, you have three lenses. You have to look at this through. You have the consumer aspect. You have to look at it through. How's the consumer going to feel? You have to look at it through your lens as a dealer when it comes to P&L and making sure the business is profitable, but then you have the manufacturer lens, right? And the, what you bring up with the Hyundai Ionic scenario is a unique one because that's, if you think about as a manufacturer, what they're saying is, they want to hedge their bet that they know exactly what you're going to sell that car for. And they're going to control that aspect of it, right? Because if they set the invoice prices the same as MSRP, this is the price. And we know consumers want to have an experience where they just know the price and it is not the back and forth that they're used to, right? And as an industry, we've been trying to solve for that for many, many years. When you think about it, we've kind of exasperated it with the whole market conditions we're doing with above MSRP and kind of the scenario we're doing. We're actually, we're creating our own storm, if that makes sense, right? And so as you see, you see manufacturers like Hyundai pushing these, these, these scenarios where, hey, we're going to charge the same as, as MSRP and invoice. I think you're going to see more, more manufacturers start to look at ways of approaching the agency model because they've expressed it quite frankly, right? They've expressed a desire to go down that path so as a dealer, you need to be thoughtful of making sure that it's a collaborative setup, right? So do I think it's the best route to go? I think it remains to be seen. I think there's benefit in a sense of having static pricing, right? Mm-hmm. So that the from a consumer standpoint, they have, I mean, you think back to the days of uh, Saturn and different price, even Siam back in the day to, to throw some out there where they had a static price. Because they did it from a consumer standpoint to make sure the consumer experience was better. But the dealers never necessarily gravitated towards that because let's face it, as a dealer, you're you're a franchise. I want to be able to control my pricing and set the pricing as I see fit. Yeah, and I want to be able to lower the price if I think I need to to close a deal at the same time. I mean, it does, you know, you take a long-term perspective and, you know, this in the... Short term, of course, we're seeing these incredible profits, but, you know, before the COVID economy, you know, most dealers, it seemed, you know, really didn't make money on new vehicle sales. Maybe more of the agency model is a way to ensure that you get something for each sale. 
percent because I mean, you, 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 the word gross and new cars in our industry was like a foregone conclusion up until the past year and a half or so. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, you talked about gross in your car. You're like, what gross? It was a, a loser typically. And now fast forward to today, we have these really incredible gross numbers that are coming out. Yeah. And I think that, listen, change is uncomfortable for everybody. Right. And when you look at that model, when you look at an agency model, it is a big departure from how business has been done traditionally in our industry, correct? And that can be a scary place. But when you look at it, if you're able to create a situation where the customer knows exactly what they're going to pay, and you can create a, a positive experience where you can streamline the sales process, and oh, at the same time, you're guaranteed you're going to be able to make, I shouldn't say guaranteed, but there's a high likelihood, depending on how the manufacturer sets up the, the program, that you're going to make X dollars in every vehicle and you know exactly what you're going to make. To me, that seems like a simpler way of doing business. However, I can understand as a dealer, it's a tough spot to be in because you kind of like the ability to make money when you want to make money. Because let's face it, most of us, we're, we, we come up from being salespeople, right? We come up from the thrill of the sale. But the flip side of it is, is consumers, we know this to be, to be true, want a simpler experience, Right. And so we have to find a happy medium where everyone is happy. Like I mentioned, you got three lenses, you got to look at it. So as a dealer, you can't look at it just as your way because that's going to be short-sighted and it's going to cause you problems down the road, right? When it comes to capturing customers, your, your manufacturer relationship. So you have to look at it from the lens of the consumer, the manufacturer, and yourself. And I think that there's a happy medium. And if you start to look at an agency model, when set up fairly, I think the keyword's fairly, it can be a win-win. A lot of negotiations going on right now between brands and their dealers. Mm -hmm. Jose Morales, Applied Concepts, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie, for having us. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get all the news on the evolving retail landscape, vehicle shortages, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your daily routine. Now let's all get back to work.